the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly. Kara Waddell is the weekend off. Maybe she's headed down to the game. So go tribe. So everyone in town is excited. I'm taping this show on Friday morning. And so the first game should be getting started here in uh, less than an hour. So uh, hopefully the weather holds out. Hopefully the tribe can get off to a fast start. Of course, that's the great call from Tom Hamilton earlier in the year when Josh Naylor had that amazing game, um, historic, you know, game. 
and hopefully we'll see some of that excitement this weekend. As I said, this is Financial Food for Thought, and I promise I will talk about financial information. Um, brought to you by the estate planning team, the estate planning team. We've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. We're a fiduciary planning firm. We are not investment advisors. You know, we get that call a lot and we know we don't, we don't manage assets for our clients. So the clients, our clients, either they have already hired investment managers or more times than not, they're doing it themselves. And, but what they're looking for is that part that they're not comfortable doing on their own or that they're not getting from their investment advisor. And and that's more about building how you build a financial model and how you learn that financial planning discipline. It's not just about what investments you own. And, and of course, there's a lot of talk this year with the market decline. And we'll talk about, you know, I still say I think the, the reported deaths of the 60-40 portfolio are exaggerated, but certainly this year the 60-40 is dead. We all know that, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. But it's not going to remain that way forever, but times are rough right now. We've got the embedded inflation. We've got the brink of a U.S. recession. Um, you know, a lot of, lot of negative input that is, is causing uncertainty. But part, part of the solution to get you peace of mind isn't necessarily just changing your investments or going all the cash or putting all your money into a fixed annuity. No, financial planning is more than that. It, it's the idea of saying you, you build a model based on assumptions, the best assumptions you can make today. And then the whole part of the planning process is that you review it. it. It's a very active process. It's not the idea that you do a financial plan once and put it away in a sock drawer for 30 years. And, you know, so, so that's our fiduciary responsibility is that we are very active planners, the estate planning team. Um, a lot of talk right now, you know, a lot of, well, a lot of our discussions with our clients right now and their tax preparers is year end planning, you know, you know, and we'll talk a little bit about that today. We're getting very active in that. Um, also, don't look now. Um, you know, we're in the scariest month of the year, right? October. And we talk a lot during this month about what scares you, what scares me. And I think what scares you and me, perhaps, is uh, the Medicare open enrollment. You know, that's, don't look now, that's starting, you know, open or the, the annual enrollment, I should say, uh, you know, goes from October 15th to December 7th every year. And this is where, if you're already on Medicare, you know, you have the opportunity to changing up either your Medicare supplemental plan or Medicare Advantage plan, you know, going back and forth. And if you are on Medicare, you're probably getting inundated right now, your mailbox with all the advertisements. Um, so, and so we'll talk a little bit, old, you know, so in October, and I'll probably start that a little bit at the end of this show, we talk a little bit about the A, B, C, and Ds of Medicare. Um, cause we get that question a lot, especially, you know, the baby boomers, you know, that amazing statistic that we, we heard of many, many years ago started, you know, that 10,000 baby boomers a day are turning 65 and that was going to run for like 19 straight years. And so it, it's still, you know, every day, 10,000 more baby boomers are reaching that Medicare eligibility age 65. So there, it's ongoing questions that those newly arrived to 65 
are asking. And so we'll talk, uh, we always focus on that a little bit in October. Um, so if I'll get, like I said, I'll probably get started on this show at the end of the show, and we'll certainly be talking more about that on the upcoming shows in October. Um, so we are a fiduciary. Uh, that means that we take a great responsibility. We have to work in our client's best interest. If you would like more information, you can call us at the estate planning team. The number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or you can visit our website. And our website is financialfoodforthought.com. Just one string of lowers of letters, financialfoodforthought.com. Um, on there, you can find lots of information. There's calculators on there. We have uh, articles, financial articles that are that are on there. You can also on there sign up for a free, no obligation consultation. So you can either call us at the number uh, 440-239-2090, or you can visit our website and you can sign up for a consultation there as well. Now, I, I will give a kind of a heads up to new people or maybe counting us. If, you know, if you're interested in year-end planning, I'll talk a little bit about that today too, the year-end planning, but don't look now. But again, the calendar's getting, you know, we're losing opportunity days to do that. So if you are interested in that, you've got to contact us soon. Or if you're if you're uh, already a client of the state planning team and you haven't booked your year-end planning conference yet, you, you know you know we're, we, our slots are filling up. So please call us and get your slot. Um, now you can also on our website you can catch our radio show podcast. So you can, there's a link to the radio show. The radio show, you know, keeps a bank of them. I don't know. It's probably I don't know, seven, eight months maybe uh, going back. So a good number of them. And you can, and you can listen to them at your leisure um, as opposed to listening to them live, you know, or, or when you're hearing the show live on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. Um, all right. So what else is good? So, you know, speaking of baseball and, and, we had the triple pay payroll. And what do I mean by that? Well, that's that a lot of econ data, you know, we, we in the first week of the new month, we get a lot of reporting about American labor. And it, it's very important um, because that is what a lot of people are looking towards. And when I mean a lot of people, I mean the Federal Reserve. I mean, you know, politicians, um, the, the central bankers, the 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 corporate, the business owners. The, you know, it's it's how American labor goes. You might say drives not only the U.S. economy, but indirectly probably the global economy. And that's what we're trying to see. So, can the Federal Reserve stamp down inflation? while still keeping the labor market strong to the point where it doesn't cause a, a, a you know a recession or even worse stagflation um and so it's it's important we've been watching the labor data and and so what happened what did we find out this week well it started on Tuesday with the jolts report that's the job openings report. And it came in a little bit worse. It came in that they're saying that there's 10.1 million 
jobs available. That's down from the previous months of 11.2. And the street consensus was looking for about 10.8. So it was less than what was was expected, and it was a decrease from the previous month. Now, this again is where we're getting into this, you know, bad news is good news and good news is bad news. And that's the crazy world, you know, we're going into the fall of 75, you know, in other words, everybody's waiting to see is the Federal Reserve going to raise interest rates by another 75 basis points in November? I think they will. Um, but, you know, but also... It's the idea saying the Federal Reserve kind of announced that they, they need, they, they're actually looking to see unemployment come up a little bit. Um, it's a very tightrope, you know, that they're walking. So that, um, right now, they still say there's about 1.7 jobs available per person. So again, if you're looking for work, you should be able to find work. Um, layoffs bumped up a bit. Um, to 1.5 million from the previous month, 1.4 million. Um, hires and quits held about steady. Um, hires at about 6.3 million and quits about 4.2 million. So no big change there. Um, and indicating again that workers are, are not afraid to, to job hop, um, you know, and kind of, you know, kind of go from there. All right. So then on Wednesday, we got the new ADP report. And they're saying, okay, so businesses added about 208,000 jobs and that beat the consensus of 200,000. So, okay. Um, and it, it, it was better than the previous month, uh, which was revised up to about 185,000. Um, so it's interesting. So who is hiring? Um, well, small companies, um, I, I guess, defined as under 50 employees, um, hired about 58,000. Large companies hired about 60,000. And the big hiring came in the medium-sized companies. Those are with employees from 50 to 500. Um, they came in about 90,000. So, so that gives you an idea. There's so the medium-sized companies that are attracting workers right now. Um, and pay hikes, that's part of the ADP report. They're saying annual pay is trending up about 7.8% year over year. Um, that's good news. In other words, that, that's the, that, but that's the wage spiral that the Federal Reserve is concerned about. Because if corporations have to continue raising their wage to attract workers, that hurts their productivity. If we go into recession, that's going to lead to problems, right? And that wage spiral, that is also leads to inflation. Because if they have to continue paying employees more, that's putting more money in the employees take home and they spend more. That's all that wage spiral inflation. And that's a concern of the Federal Reserve. Um, now, um, it's it's interesting, though, you know, whereas the JOLTS report kind of indicated that people are still job hopping, the ADP report kind of said, well, that is cooling off a bit. So they say that the medium change for job hoppers came in at 15.7% down from the previous month of 16.2%. And they say that's the biggest monthly drop in three years. I think the ADP has only been tracking that particular number or statistic for three years. So that, so that is saying. So what, what, and then Thursday, 
we've got the new job, the weekly jobless claims. All right. And they came in at 219,000. Um, the consensus, um, I mean, well, the previous week they came in 193. And I mentioned that last week on the show because at that 193,000, that's, that's kind of like a, 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 a threshold that, that economists look at. If the weekly jobless claims are under 200,000, everything's great. I mean, that, that, that's a good labor strong market. If the weekly jobless claims are over 300,000, that's bad news. So, you know, that 200,000 and last week it was 193, it dipped below that 200,000. This week it dipped back above it, 219,000. But I still think about the four week rolling is still slightly over 200,000. Um, and as far as continuing claims, they came in about 1.361 million. Um, so, so what, so looking at this, um, all right. So the, we can see that the, the, the federal, the people are not really worried. I mean, job seekers are not really worried about getting a job or the fact that they could perhaps job hop and get a better wage. Um, but also we see some of this, the, some of the job statistics, you know, cooling off, which is what the federal reserve's goal is, right? That's kind of what they said. So here's one economist who said, you know, the labor market is unraveling the way we wanted it to. We wanted it to go down, but hires and separations stayed the same. There's still hope for a soft landing. Well, I don't know if, if how many people still believe the Federal Reserve can navigate a soft landing. But then today, this morning, we're taping the show on Friday, the monthly jobs report came out. Now, this is probably take, gets more scrutiny than the other reports that I mentioned. And the consensus, this is the interesting thing. It was very narrow, you know, the range. You know, so most economists were zeroing. So they said on the low range, about 199,000 new non-farm payrolls. And on the high range, about 389. I mean, not that wide of a range, very tight range. And the consensus was about, you know, 260, 275, somewhere in that range. Well, what did the actual come in at? 263,000 right on target. Um, and the, and, and, and so that kind of indicates that the economists are kind of getting this right. They're no longer, you know, they have a little bit more confidence that what they, what they think is going to happen is happening. So perhaps, you know, that's a good sign. Unemployment rate, though, that ticked down. Um, which was kind of surprising to 3.5%. The previous month, it was 3.7%. Um, wage growth, that's a, another one that, you know, people are interested in, um, ticked up slightly at uh, 0.3%. That's taken the year over year about 5%. Um, the labor force participation rate, uh, you know, ticked downwards, you know, and that came in at 62.3%. Um, yeah, you know, so it, it, it's interesting, you know, it's, we're still perhaps not back, you know, to, to where we were pre Rona. Um, so with all that, you know, we're, we're saying, okay, what, you know, are you concerned that, the economy isn't, you know, we, we are going to hit this recession. Um, and it may be, you know, we talked, 
we talked about we're in a technical recession, right? The technical recession, the fact that you have two negative G, you know, consecutive negative GDP quarters, which we had in quarter one and quarter two. So technically a recession, but we also heard that the pain recession is still coming. Meaning that, you know, if, if next year we may really see the pain recession where we may see massive layoffs or if inflation doesn't, you know, correct itself. We always say that probably most of America, you know, we do have a big wealth gap in this country, but most, you know, the, the ones that the, the middle, upper middle class, you know, can sustain a seven or eight percent inflation rate for a year. Um, that gets really difficult if there's two years of that elevated inflation or God forbid three years, then it's a different story. Um, so that's again, why the federal reserve is so intent on stamping down inflation. Um, so is that pain recession coming or do we, are we going to have an earnings recession? So that's another take and a lot of people are saying, will the Fed pivot and stop the interest rate hikes to try to prevent a major U.S. recession that a lot of the globally, you know, world leaders are looking at and saying, hey, we're already looking dire. You know, all these other headwinds, you know, they're kind of saying, hey, Federal Reserve, U.S. Federal Reserve, why don't you pivot? Why don't you take a break from raising? I don't know if they're going to listen to that. But um, so what do we mean by the earnings recession? Well, that's, again, where are corporations going to be able to continue to bring in their profit margins? And we're going to be starting the earnings season here, the third quarter earnings season. You know, it'll be starting, you know, the first companies that report was, you know, start probably around October 15th. Um, now, um, so I, normally we don't pay too much attention to third quarter uh, earnings season, but this year we might have to because we're going to be looking for indications to see if the corporations you know, to see what forward guidance they're giving. Are they, you know, are they marking down their, you know, what they think their earnings will be in the future? Will they even not make forward guidance? You know, that's kind of what happened in the, in the Rona recession, the shutdown, right? Companies said, we have no idea. We're not even going to project what we think our earnings or our revenues are going to be in a shutdown. Well, now it's again, is, you know, are they going to be backing off? Um, and why and, and what are all some of those headwinds that, that are going to cause this this concern or this risk? Um, are we going to see sizable earnings decline? Well, you've got a surging U.S. dollar. You've got higher interest rates. You've got, as I said, the weakening European economy. I mean, the, the, Germany is probably in a recession. Europe's going to be in a recession. You've got the China, you know, the virus, the Rona virus lockdowns. You know, that's still a major issue. You've got, you know, uh, King Oil. You know, what's happening with the oil, uh, you know, industry and, and how to, and how that relates to, to the gas pump, right? I want to talk a little bit more about that today, too. Um, but the, uh, so, so all these uncertainties, this is what can lead companies to lose, 
um, steam or, or get a little bit more conservative or a little less, you know, taking the rose colored glasses off. And so we'll see, uh, you know, so far, even though the market is down big, you know, in, in, in this year, um, the forward earnings, Estimates have have not really fallen that much, about one percent since mid June. Um, so the corporations they've kind of have held off, kind of throwing in the towel, right? Um, but the but these continued headwinds that I just mentioned, you know that that gets to that you know OBE, you know the the overcome by events, and so we'll see. So we'll keep an eye on what's happening when we start getting the earnings reports. Now. I was listening to the Bloomberg this morning and, and Marty Walsh, who's the you know Secretary of Labor, who's always comes on Bloomberg for an interview on Jobs Day. Um, and, you, and so he made, so they asked him a lots of questions, but two of the points that he brought out was one that, you know, how the President Biden was very disappointed with what OPIC Plus did this week. And, and when, you know, Biden tried to have them pump more oil and they came back and said, no, they're not going to pump more. They're going to cut <laughs> and, you know, at 2 million barrels a day cut. Um, and then the second point he made that he was that they were, you know, the White House was disappointed that the labor force participation was off a little bit. And those are two stickly you know, subject matters. Now, I've always said on the show, President Biden cannot control world oil prices. There's too many factors involved. And also, the Federal Reserve has made it very clear that their monetary policy can't control global oil prices. So again, that's why the Federal Reserve doesn't concentrate on headline CPI or PCE that includes energy prices. They concentrate on core. Um, because they believe their their tools work can work on core, not necessarily food and energy, which is globally, uh, you know, specific. So now, the, the the problem with oil is so Stephen Shark, who's a, a brilliant on on the oil industry, um, I heard him being interviewed. And first thing he's saying, so when OPEC Plus says 2 million barrels a day, somehow, <laughs> I, I, don't, I can't believe me, it's a little bit beyond my pay, uh, pay, rate, uh, pay level, but somehow he was saying that, you know, that's, is a, how much of that is really talk versus how much of that's really going to happen. So he thinks it's, it's more like it's going to be about 700, 750, 800,000 barrels of of gasoline, you know, as as a so he said it may not be as bad as what you're hearing, um, but he said that's not even the issue. It, it's the issue in the USA is in the refineries. So we can't we can't we can't convert anymore, uh, you know, oil to gasoline. Um, our refineries can't are at full capacity. Um, remember our refine the U.S. refineries. He was saying have been slashed about in half. <laughs> than where they were at one point. Um, and so the capacity to change oil to gas at the pump or jet fuel, or what's getting important now as we're going into the winter, heating oil that a lot of the country relies on. 
And so the refineries, they cannot, they're, they're at capacity. So I don't care if they pump more oil out or not. We can't, there's no refineries that change it over, you know, right now. And you just don't build a new refinery overnight, right? That's the problem. And also what, what, so what happens is the oil refineries, they're going to, you know, you know, sell to where the biggest demand is, where the biggest demand is, which is gas at the pump. So that means jet fuel supplies suffer and heating oil supplies suffer, or in other words, gets those things more expensive with inflation. Um, so, and then, and then, you know, you had President Biden's response, which is to say that he is going to release 10 million barrels in November from the strategic oil reserve. Well, really? I, I mean, can we call it the strategic midterms reserve? Because is he just so good? Is he just doing that to say to try to never get a, a quick, you know, 10 cent decrease at the pumps right before election? I mean, it's getting seriously low, our strategic oil reserve. Um, you know, it's been re- reduced from a U.S. 42 day supply to just 26. OK, um, that's the lowest in 40 years. All right. Um, and and. It's it's not scaring OPEC. I mean, this is not changing OPEC's mind. They're not, uh, you know, uh, they're not worried or not threatened by President Biden announcing a release of our strategic reserves. All right. Um, and and just, you know, we just had a major hurricane in the Gulf. What, what happens if the next one hits the oil region in, in the Gulf? Um, you know, what, you know, lights out, right? I mean, we, we got a 26 day supply. Um, so I, I don't know what's going on there, but now what about the U S labor participation rate? Because again, this is that fine tightrope that the feds trying to walk on. They're saying, yeah, we want unemployment to tick up. We want the labor market to cool off, but yet we still want corporations who can get their employees at a reasonable wage. Um, and then with that reasonable wage, c- keep the economy rolling. But we're still stymied on why we can't get back to the pre-Rona labor participation. And remember, it's just been one thing after another. First, of course, you had the Rona shutdown, right? But then all the helicopter money was dropped on everybody's laps. So, you know, the government was basically paying people to stay home. I mean, you'd get more money monthly if you stayed home and, uh, and went on unemployment with the stimulus checks and the, the, the uh, pandemic un- additional unemployment checks. You made more that way than going to work. Well, not much of a decision there, right? Um, but then when that started, when the helicopter money started running out, then we had what we now refer to as the great resignation, right? Well, first of all, why it was all, well, there are a lot of reasons for the great resignation. One, moms were still staying home to, to take care of their kids who weren't going to school because of the, the lockdown or, it, you know, that, or the kids were homesick with the, with the Rona, right? Um, a lot of people were sick with the Rona or they were, a lot of people were afraid to go back to work thinking that they could catch the Rona, right? So that kept people home and re- resigning. Um, then you had the baby boomers, you know, the elder, the, 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 pe- the baby boomers who were 
pre, a little bit, maybe a year or two pre-retirement, they kind of got a taste of being retired when everything was shut down. And guess what? They liked it. They liked it a lot. Okay, and then with the added stimulus money that they got, plus it was a student, you know, we had that beach ball bounce recovery where the market came back strong, you know, even in 2020. They said, hey, I think financially I can swing this. Maybe I don't have to go back to work. All right. Um, Or you also had the big group that were working at home, and a lot of people really, really liked working at home. Much more so than working in an office. All right. And so so that was going fine until the boss kind of said, no, you guys got to come back to the office. Well, you know what? A lot of people said, you know, hey, boss, thanks, but no, thanks. I'm gone. I'm done. All right. Um, and, it, you know, and then you had the job hoppers, you know, you know, so that we're just saying I, I'm I'm resigning. Yes, but I'm not resigning to retire. I'm just taking another job because I can get the greener pasture. I can get more pay uh, going across the street to the my, the, my current employer's competitor. Um, all right, but then we had the quiet quitting <laughs> more recently. You know, the idea that those who did go back to the office, you know, now at half staff because the other people didn't go back. Now they had to do double work. And, and, and their pay raises weren't keeping up with the, uh, you know, in uh, the, the non-transitory inflation we've seen over the last, you know, 18 months. Right. Um, so what they said, Hey, look at, you know, okay, I'll work here, but you know what? I'm nine to five. Don't ask me to work overtime. Don't ask me to do two people's jobs. That's what I'm into. You get my, you know, you'll get my 40 hours a week for what you're paying me and, and be happy with it, boss. And a lot of the bosses aren't happy with that, but that's where we stand. So we still have some, you know, places to go there and to see if, if that would, um, correct itself. So. You've got all these things going on and there's a lot of uncertainty on, you know, how, how dire is the economy? Um, do you need to be concerned about it? And this is again where, you know, you don't ask your neighbor if they're concerned. You have to kind of figure this out for yourself on whether or not, you know, you need to be concerned, meaning have you, modified if you and if you haven't and if you don't have a written financial plan maybe it's time you work on one you know come in and see us uh you know we'd love to help you build that um we've been doing it for 35 years and helping clients build those custom financial plans so that you know when we've gone through recessions before in that in those decades and the idea is saying, okay, but you have to modify for what you believe is the most realistic assumptions or the most conservative and use those parameters, conservative, realistic, or and, and sometimes we talk about build your plan R, meaning a worst case scenario, R for recession or recovery. Um, now, a lot of the people just are so caught up with the shock line risk, right? And, and, you know, how bad is, is, is how bad are my stocks going to fall or, or this year it's kind of everything. Um, I mean, here's just a sampling, right? So one of the wall street's biggest bulls is losing conviction on the stock market as the risk of a fed policy error rises. Stocks and bonds are discounting for a disaster after the worst stretch for investors in 20 years. With the S&P 500 back into bear market territory, are we finally near the bottom? Well, that indicates, well, maybe the worst is over, right? Stubborn conditions pave the way. That article seems to say, well, maybe things aren't over. 
Um, bear market may not be over, but some corporate insiders are acting like it is. Okay, so are some people getting back in saying that I'm going to buy low and and capture the upside because I never really know when the upside's coming. Um, stocks are attractive now as the war on inflation has already been won and Fed tightening may be nearing an end, says one Wall Street chief strategist. as well. That's, so a lot of people are fighting the Fed. They're saying that the Fed is going to pivot. They don't believe the Fed will have the stomach to continue to raise interest rates um, and, and risk a, a, a deeper or, or more intense U.S. recession. Um, now, here's, here's going the opposite. Uh, Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel says predictions of a lost decade in the stock market are unfounded and 6% annual returns are likely after inflation. So, again, no consensus, right? And we, and as I said at the beginning of the show, I think that the, the reported death of the 60-40 allocation is a bit exaggerated. Not for this year, though. This year, it's not looking too good. You know, through September, all right, um, the S&P 500 was down about 24.77%. And bonds were down about 20.4%. So if you were in a 60-40 portfolio made up of those two asset classes, all right, so you take 60% of the 25% loss, that's 14.86%. You take 40% of the 20% bond loss, that's 8.16%. You add those two together, so your 60-40 is down 23.02% through September. Wow, that doesn't happen too often. All right. Um, you know, and and that's something that a lot of people have lost confidence in the 60-40 portfolio. Now, let's say you're a little bit more conservative. Let's say you are a 50-50 allocation. All right. Well, not a whole lot better. Instead of being down the 60-40, 23%, you're only down at 50-50, 22.59%. Ouch. Okay, um, not a whole lot better. How about if you were even lower risk? What if you were 40% growth and 60% fixed? Okay, surely you're doing much better now, right? Mm, not with that bond, the worst bond bear market ever. Um, that 40-60 portfolio is down 22.15% year to date. All right, um, now, but if you look historically, how has the 60-40 done? Um, well, going through the end of 2021, all right, the three-year average, uh, you know, which, you know, it includes the 2020 recession, the Rona recession, um, the three-year average is about 4.03%, okay? The five-year looks a little better. The five-year rolling average in the 60-40 is 5.81%. Okay. How about the 10 year? Okay. The 10 year, which is, you know, right after the great recession, remember we had that great bull run. So that one's been hanging in there pretty well. That 60, 40 uh, average annualized is about 7.49%. Now this is a period where most of our clients didn't even believe that their 60, 40 portfolio would do better than five. Okay. And it did, you know, 7.49. 
Because again, we were in lower interest rates during that time period. How about the recent 15-year average? So this now would include not only the Rona recession, but the 2008 Great Recession. Okay, that is about 6.23, which is still not better than what most clients thought, you know, the five that they would get. So, you know, now I picked up something too. I saw in, um, I think it was Motley Fool. Um, so they took a spin on this and, and they said, well, how has the 6040 done since 1928 through 2021? A much longer period, right? Um, and for their benchmark, they said the for the sixty percent growth side, they were using the S and P five hundred with dividends reinvested. Okay, now that dividends reinvested is going to add a point or two to the to the total. And then for the fixed forty percent fixed side, they were using U.S. Treasury bonds. So they said, okay, in that nineteen twenty eight to through twenty twenty one. 2020, you know, 2021, the S&P dividend reinvested did an annualized 10.1%. And U.S. Treasury bonds did an annualized just shy of 5%, 4.9%. So they're saying now, so if you took your 60-40 over that time period, you're at 8.02%. If you look at a 50-50, you're at 7.5%. Even if you looked at a 40-60, you're at 6.98%, almost 7%. So I still think, you know, I don't know if, yeah, 60-40 is going to be negative this year. Everybody knows that. Um, but as you saw some of those article headlines I read, a lot of people are already saying, hey, I'm getting back in. Um, you know, and don't look now, but even the fixed income is looking attractive right now. Here's some, I got my, you know, Sunday plain dealer and all of a sudden all, there's some nice CD ads in there. How about this one? 4.5% one year. Hmm. That's a bonus. Okay. Then it's a five year, uh, ladder. And then for the next five years or the 4.5% the first year, then the next four years, 3%. Well, that's not bad. If, if, you know, compared to what we were looking at, here's another bank, local bank. How about just for your money market, your savings account? How about 2%? When was the last time you saw a bank advertise 2% uh, for your savings? You know, and that's up to $20,000. If you're looking for, you know, annuities, the fixed annuities where maybe, you know, you want to park some money in the short term, meaning three to four years. Okay, or maybe five years. All right. Um, and then you say, I'll see how the economy is at that time frame. All right. So we have the multi year guarantee annuities are very popular right now. So for, you know, just generally the, the rates change all the time. The rates will go up if the Federal Reserve keeps raising rates. Um, you've got about a, a three year right now. You could probably do better than 4%. A four year, you're getting closer to 5%. Uh, going five years, you're, you're going to do a little bit better than the four year, but not a whole lot better. You might not want to do it that maybe you're not going to get it 5% for five years yet. So I don't know if you want to, that, that's too attractive, but the three or four year, 
that's not bad. So if you're saying that, hey, I'm just trying to get back to my where my 60-40 or my 50-50, my fixed side is doing something better than zero. And I and without a, a principal risk, like uh, my bonds got killed this year. Okay, well, this is, you know, maybe uh, you, know, you can, if you've been sitting in the sidelines in cash, maybe it's time to start dusting off and, and getting a little more active and saying, hey, how can I start ratcheting up my fixed side? Because I'm still uncertain. I'm not really to put any more money into the market. Um, I got to see how that works out, but I, maybe I can get a, a couple percentage points on my fixed side. So those are things that we are talking to our clients about. Um, again, if you would like more information, uh, you can call the estate planning team. Our phone number is 440-239-2090, um, or you can visit financialfoodforthought.com. And on our website, you can sign up for a free consultation. Um, you can also uh, get get our, our podcast. You know, we've been talking um, a lot about how you plan, how you how we build financial plans for our clients in if they're concerned about recession or economic downturns. Um, and also, you know, we'll, I'm going to uh, we still we're in October here. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the ABC and D's of Medicare. All right, but before I talk a little about the that, just just again, this is the time that we're really active with our clients and their CPAs or their tax preparers when we talk about year-end planning. And it's not only the, the tax end of it, it's also making sure that if you have required minimum distributions, make sure you've done them, right? Um, if you are not sure if you've got enough taxes paid in to cover either your previous year safe harbor or your current year safe harbor, then you need to review that because if you're still working, you still have your remaining paychecks to adjust your payroll withholding between now and the end of the year. If you're collecting, if you're retired and are, are have a pension that's doing withholding, you still have time perhaps to change that. Or if you are now getting ready to do your required minimum distribution, are you, do you know how much withholding you need to elect on that? And this is where, you know, I talked about this on the show. I, you know, if you go back and listen to our podcast, the show before uh, September 15th, the third quarter estimate, I talk a lot about this. Um, and it's just the idea of saying, or if you're not sure, can't get that show, Call us, and because we we've we've helped clients put together those, I call them the cheat sheets. You know, the, those year end schedules that say, "Hey, am I? You know, am I? Have I got all my RMDs done? Have I made the right withholding elections? Have they happened? Have they not happened? I, mean, I can't tell you. In the world since the Rona shutdown and a lot of people working from home, we've seen a lot of problems where people thought that they gave instructions to their IRA custodians and they didn't follow up and it wasn't done properly. So yeah. Have to you know keep following up and confirming confirming and confirming um, also if you haven't done those things yet you may be, again check with your custodian how much time you have to do them uh, it's not the danger zone yet but if you're thinking you're going to get your 
all this, your year-end, your RMDs done between, or your Roth conversions done between Christmas and New Year's, you might not. You might, you might be, uh, the calendar may be full. So a lot of, you know, so you need to find out how much time you do it. And, and a lot of people are, a lot of our clients are looking at Roth conversions with this market downturn. Okay. Um, because they see the opportunity of saying, Hey, I, they're, uh, they're kind of along the path saying, Hey, I don't know if we're at the bottom yet, but I think we're close to the bottom. I don't know how quickly it's going to come back, but I want all that regrowth. I'm not panicking. I've got my cash reserve. I don't need to, um, I don't need to sell my stocks low. So what I'm going to do is if my, some of my growth positions have been lowered, I'm going to convert those over to Roth IRA right now at a tax discount. And then all that regrowth will come back tax free in my Roth IRA. Um, that's a great opportunity if it fits. Again, don't ask your neighbor if the Roth conversion is right for them. It means it's right for you. You have to kind of figure this out yourself. And we, and we, and that's a lot of the year end planning that we, we talk about with our clients. But also too is the Medicare because this is always the time of the year. And if you're already on Medicare, you, you probably are getting inundated with the advertisements in the mail these days. Um, but we get a lot of questions from people who are not, not on Medicare yet about when should they sign up for Medicare. And so, and Medicare at age 65, okay, the, the basically you've got Medicare A and Medicare B. Those are the mandatory ones, right? Um, now, Medicare A, that's what covers hospitalization, skilled nursing care, some home health care, and hospice benefits. Um, that's the, the big stuff. That's the, you know, you go in for the major operation or something in the hospital. You're there for a few days. Okay, that's what Medicare A pays the big bucks for that. Um, Medicare B is, you know, covers more of the routine, the doctor's visits, the outpatient services, things like that, the emergency room visits, things like that. Uh, now, under the current law, there is no premium for Medicare A, and for Medicare B, there is, okay? And so, you know, you've got to be aware of that as well. Now, the premium, for, you know, is... is and I talked about this on last week's show, the, the Medicare premiums and the IRMA adjustments. It's how much you pay for Medicare B is directly related to your modified adjusted gross income. Right? Um, go back and listen to that show and you can caught up on that. But for example, for this year, Medicare B starts at $170.10 a month. Next year, it's going to be a, a 3% decrease. It's going to be $164.90. But it's still the question I get of, well, Mark, when do I need to sign up? And the general rule is that you have set your initial enrollment period without any penalty. You have seven months, you know, three months before the month of your 65th birthday, the month of your 65th birthday, and three months following the month of your 65th birthday. So that's how you get to the seven months. But the thing is, you, you don't need to set up to sign up for Medicare if you are or your spouse, if you're covered by your employer plan or your spouse's employer plan, okay? If you have medical coverage, health insurance through an employer plan, you can defer signing up for Medicare. And then when you're no longer covered by that employer plan, then you start a new eight-month window where you have to sign up for Medicare without any penalty. So, so... A lot of people say, well, I've heard I was supposed to sign up even if I am covered by an employer plan. 
Well, this is this is where the you know it depends, right? Um, so basically, if you think of a flow chart, right, of saying you know if yes, go here; if no, go here. So let's see if I can do this on the radio. Um, now the other thing too is if if you're already collecting Social Security, okay, you're you're almost going to be um, you know automatically enrolled in Medicare. All right, um, and so so the, it, it's going to be very seamless for you. Um, you're you know automatically they're going to roll you in A and B. But here's the thing: if you're covered by an employer plan, you can you know you're going to get that Medicare card in the mail, right? You can send it back and say you know I don't want it. Now, why would you do that? Well, a couple of reasons. Um, you know, because you might not want to be paying for Medicare B premium if you don't need it, right? That's one. Or you may be contributing to a health savings plan if you're in a high deductible insurance plan and you cannot contribute to a health savings plan once you sign up for Medicare, either A and or B, all right? Um, so if, um, but let's say you're not on Social Security yet. Okay, well then, do you have health insurance from a current employer? Um, yes. Okay. Does your employee employer have more than 20 employees? Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you want to contribute to a health savings account? Yes. Okay. Then delay signing up for parts A and B. All right. Now let's go back. Let's say, um, that question, do you have health insurance from a current employer that either you or your spouse works for? No. Okay. Then you must enroll in parts A and B. All right. Now, how about let me go back the other way. So let's say you do have uh, employer uh, coverage, but the employer um, does not have more than 20 employees, small company. All right. Then um, then you you you're going to have to enroll. Okay. Generally, in that indicate in that case, you must enroll in parts A and B. Um, also, let's say you, you do have an employer plan, more than 20 employees, but you don't have a health savings account, then you may want to sign up for Part A as a secondary coverage, but delay Part B to save you the premium dollars. All right, so we'll talk more about the A, B, C, and Ds of Medicare as we go through October. All right, everybody have a good weekend. Go Tribe. Go Jacoby. Next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.